Now recording. Now recording. Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. It is 2.05 p.m. Saturday, January 23rd, 2021. We have uh, the creator of... I, man, I'm trying to get either your, your, the full name of your project or the full name of your, of your, uh, your name. And uh, your, your username is a portmanteau of both. I'm sorry. Uh, what is your, your first name is Paul. What is your last name? <laughs> last name, it's Nicole. Paul, Paul Nikolsky. Nikolsky, um, thank you. I need food dot live. Is that how you would uh, tell people about it? Uh, it works either way. You could use it as I need food dot live in terms of it's a live signal and people could see that there's actually people that need food right now. And mm-hmm. you could also say it as I need food dot live because everyone needs food to live. To live. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you like, for coming on care. our program. And thank you, Faith, oh, for, thank you uh, for inviting me. me. <laughs> so I heard that you guys uh, met each other through a um, through a different um, circumstance. What was what was going on when you met each other? Um, so we were uh, doing a community call with Karma Credits, and uh, which is a cryptocurrency that rewards you for good deeds, essentially. Um, I've earned some Karma Credits for helping them set up a Discord page, for example. Um, uh, they they pay you in cryptocurrency, but it's um, still in development. And uh, he also has a project that uh, coincides with uh rewarding good deeds so uh yeah and then i heard about it and i was like hey come on our podcast if you want a little more exposure to this idea he's looking for funding and stuff so you want to tell us about your project sure so uh the basic idea is um community mutual aid uh just an app that allows people to share food freely so if someone is in need for uh whatever reason um myself i've been there where i've had a tough week and uh my paycheck didn't cover everything that I needed. So, um, you know, for people like that, short term or, you know, for the homeless, because I found even homeless people have uh, phones. So they could make a request right on their phone and someone nearby could see, hey, there's a person in need. And uh, that's it, just the brotherhood of man, you know, everyone helping each other. And uh, with Karma Credits, we we're thinking we could add uh, cryptocurrencies into it. So um, we were thinking uh, kind of a two for one. Two uh, for the people giving the food and one for the person getting it. It's better to give than receive. But uh, that way, in addition to food, some people have some credits that they could use for other things as well. So it's like a reward for participation. For That's really beautiful. Absolutely. About it, though. It's essentially, since it's not something people normally trade in everything else, it's almost like a point system for real life, like things like, oh, what level are you at? <laughs> Uh, but there have um, we had Sherry Kirchhoff on um, our podcast, and she was one of the people who used Karma Credits. Um, she uh, took it for payment for um, making a necklace. Uh, someone paid Karma Credits for it, I think. So, I mean, it, it is starting its process of being used and stuff. Um, but if yeah, somebody I, I, wanted to find out more about Karma Credits, how would they do that? How do you um, spell it? K A R M A uh, credits C R E D I T S um, cryptocurrency dot com I think it is but let me double check. Um and Paul, um, are you already using uh, Karma credits or are you just looking at uh, the option of cryptocurrencies it, as well? Uh, 
Well, I haven't made the app yet. So as the app is being developed, we'd like to incorporate the Karma credits right into the app. So uh, it could be an automatic kind of uh, deposit in accounts as they're completing uh, the tasks. Um, and like Faye said, um, with the uh, Karma credits, uh, like the I Need Food app would be a great way to show kind of people um, what they've been doing. So if you went to an interview and maybe you haven't been working for three months, but you could say, hey, look how many food meals I've delivered over the last three months. Might be a good uh, kind of resume builder as well. Um, and also, uh, for people battling depression, uh, one of the best ways is just helping out people. And uh, if you're battling um, inactivity, a good way to exercise is to get up, go out, help someone again. So I think there's a, little, a lot of different benefits besides just uh, helping people live. Yeah, I'd also recommend you check out uh, Good Dollar. Um, they do a daily basic income in their cryptocurrency. And they have a pretty good network going already. Uh, I actually uh, trade with Good Dollar myself. All right, awesome. I'll look into it. So I found a, um, a website, but I don't know if this is the right one. I'm going to put it in the live stream chat, and you guys can let me know if I found the correct thing. Oh, uh, I did post something in the live chat. Uh, oh, great. Okay, so, yours um, works. Mine doesn't. <laughs> That's how it. far into the process of making this app are you at the moment? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I Need Food hasn't been started yet. Um, I just have a uh, landing page uh, website. Um, I'm still looking for really a uh, team to kind of take it on uh, without funding. And concurrently, I'm trying to build up funding uh in case that avenue doesn't uh go through so i love that uh, on this uh, uh karma credits cryptocurrency.com uh currently featured as one of the videos um that talk about karma credits is our friend zach 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 sacker <laughs> who is um sometimes on the podcast but it's been a while since we've seen him funny how many people who've been on this podcast have so many side projects these days it's almost mm -hmm. just like we meet the people we needed to meet in order to make our things like progress or like there's some conversation or uh, i mean it's not all accredited to this platform obviously but uh it's nice to see the development of people's life stages as they um find their passion and move forward i love it um, but I also think it's important to uh, give people an opportunity to talk about their visions and projects that they um, want to start. And I, I think so much about today's media and everything. They're like, oh, show me a finished product. Show me. Okay, that's fine. But what about the people who are starting? They don't have money. They don't have resources. They don't even know who to talk to. They don't have inspiration. I think that's what's important about this roundtable format that we have. We get the opportunity to discuss these things um, and give people little leads into a better direction, I think. Um, maybe partnerships and other things. Um, I don't know. And some like people were born with like different levels of guidance in their life, depending on if their parents were immigrants, if their parents were their parents' financial situation. So I hate it when you reach a certain age and people just expect things from you just, just as if it's going to magically appear. Just people just expect you to be independent at 18 when like you're, they never let you do anything without, you know, somebody's permission. 
like the day before your 18th birthday and all of a sudden you turn 18 and they're like, oh, you should know everything. It's like, what, what are you people, idiots? Like, you know, you know, they, they don't leave it for a transition period. Everybody deserves a transition period to like know what's going on to be told, but no life skills taught in school about money, about socializing, about business. And we, we just have a bunch of idiots at the top. I'm sorry, but like that this is the way I am. I'm I'm pretty blunt. I, I just let it off. Misguided. I, that sounds <laughs> less derogatory in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, they're misguided. I, well, I guess they're they're the products of the people who, who kind of like did what they wanted to do. I don't know. They're they're it, it's just it's just all this misguidance led down from generation to generation and it goes to the top of this you but know, we've also ha- we're also in the fourth industrial revolution. Like, like we have to point out that everything that yeah. existed in their reality growing up and even entering school. I mean, sometimes they didn't even have mm-hmm. indoor plumbing. Okay, depending on who you're mm-hmm. asking. I just found out my uncle, like he grew up without indoor plumbing because the house he was living in was not advanced enough. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. And my grandparents, oh, they definitely. My grandpa made it to eighth grade and he like made his own living and everything else right but he he didn't uh you know have a house with electricity even so we have to recognize we're still living in an age that's very close to bare minimum anything uh from what our parents started and we're we're just scrambling to figure it out just gonna put I'd that like out to, there um bring the conversation back around to the I need food app for just a minute and uh point out that this is a very timely thing. Um, COVID right now has people lined up for blocks looking for food. So I think that getting the project off the ground would be very important and very helpful as quickly as possible. So I hope that we are able to help you find and uh, connect with somebody who can help get that started. Um, In Michigan, we we have, um, uh, for the first time this month, I don't think Governor Whitmer actually uh, extended the emergency food stamp money that she had been extending out. And um, hopefully that'll be buffered by Biden having the extra 15% to 25% um, tacked on through the aid. But food scarcity is still a problem. Even with that, we are experiencing something terrible right now. And seeing Americans go hungry is particularly heartbreaking. I totally agree with that. Um, I would like to uh, find out more from Paul about how exactly the app is expected to work. What, what is so far the plan? Um, you know, I'm very open-minded about it. Um, my only goal is really just connecting people with food to people without it. Um, now, I kind of originally thought it would be uh, something similar to an Uber uh, clone, where someone can uh, even say they have it and someone else can volunteer to deliver it if someone doesn't want to deliver it on their own. Um, but I'm very much open-minded as far as what uh, what is to come of it, uh, as long as we connect people uh to the food that they need that's really uh my only requirement for it okay so you're it looks like based on your website that you're also looking for uh app developers oh of course that's uh the biggest need right now is um a development team to take it on um obviously if they could do it uh without any kind of uh funding that'd be you know great but uh, i understand that's kind of difficult so Something I want to point out about just, okay, uh, backstory a little bit. 
I don't have money either. Uh, and I try to do a lot of things. And uh, w- one of the biggest uh, things my advisors tell me, because I have advisors from a lot from this podcast, really. Uh, but they're, they're very direct about um, wanting specifics of like, okay, wh- where is the vision? How do we set the target and then go for it? Um, hearing open-minded as a uh, approach um, probably is not as big an interest. Uh, and I had to get more focused in with the vision and they kept refining. They kept every time I said, okay, it's this. They're like, that's still too broad. It's this, it's still too broad. So, so I'm just going to put that out there. Um, and uh, for some things that I have seen within my family network that uh, they're very involved in community service. So I'm just going to um, pull from their thing as uh, advice or at least an inspiration, if anything. Um, so they uh, work from a, uh, a few different angles. One is they have a church that has uh, hot meals every, I think, Thursday. I think it's called... Uh, um, lost and found cafe and so they have people get food that way um, but they also have um, they work out of a thrift store where they collect food from grocery stores and uh, put it at this thrift store and it's like super dirt cheap for this thrift store <laughs> um, and that's called uh, treasure house and, um, like each family is allowed to get like a box and they can grab food off the shelves and stuff like this as well. Uh, but they have people involved in the church actually go pick up the food from their grocery stores, bring it to this one central location. But the problem my grandparents face is nobody knows about it. During this pandemic, they actually had a surplus of food because nobody even knew they existed. So part of that is getting the networking messaging out there as well. Um, and, uh, you know, but they partner with churches. Churches seem to be the biggest ones um, on top of this kind of thing. Uh, so if you do want to find help with this, I highly suggest starting to talk to churches, getting within their networks, um, even if you're not religious. I mean, Everybody needs food. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so I love, I think that's a really good uh, point is that the logistics of how things are going to be done. Um, it's great that you're open minded about it. And I think that that means we're at such an early stage in the process and in the project that we may have some influence over how it can be even designed. So let's just spend some time basically doing what we do best. Um, you know, the what uh, Faye likes to say that we're, uh, what do you call us? The a brain. <laughs> Think tank. We're a think tank. <laughs> okay, so let's perform our think tank function since we're at that stage of the project. And, well, um, as um, yeah. somebody who's constantly in need of more food, like even right now, I am at a food scarcity. Um, I think one of the most important things to start with is making sure that the people who need food are capable of not just uh, finding people who have food, but requesting food that fits their dietary needs and their family needs. So maybe starting on the um, receivers end with like a grocery list that they can make public would be a good way to start. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I was thinking of uh, if, uh, adding like uh, any kind of dietary restrictions. So if people were allergic to something they could just request no nuts or no dairy or whatever it is. 
But I think uh, Mia is uh, saying that it could be like a wish list style of um, uh, matching people up is starting with the demand, right? Because oftentimes what we have in this food, food, uh, food situation is people are offering things. Well, I have this, so I'm going to offer it. Anybody who wants it, come get it. But that actually doesn't take care of the people who need the food very well because it doesn't start with their needs. So she's saying, so, let's start with the need of, of what people actually want to have. You know, I need milk or I need, um, I don't drink milk. That's so exactly I my this. example. So mm -hmm. I have an autistic child and the only thing he will drink is milk. So we go through about a gallon of milk a day because he's a big kid. If um, somebody has something else available that I don't need, I don't want to get a bunch of stuff I don't need if the only thing I need filled is milk. Because then it's wasting and not going to people who might need the other things. See what I'm saying? Yeah, whereas in our family, we try not to drink milk. So we might, you know, have a completely different list. And uh, if so oftentimes we'll go to a food bank where they're offering free food. We don't know what they have available. We show up and then they say, here's the box. They just want you to take the box home. And you look at the box and then it's like, oh, it's filled with dairy. So I cannot eat about three quarters of what's in this box, right? And then I'm going to have to get, find another way to give that away again, or it's just going to go to waste. So, um, or it's like going to look like, you know, boxes that you got or whatever. They yeah, were. like I don't appreciate it. Like it'll look like I don't appreciate it. But when I, when in fact, you know, I just don't want the food to be wasted. Obviously it would be really useful to someone like Mia. So, um, so there's this uh, sort yeah, of one, one thing I did, from need. Yeah. One thing, sorry. Go one ahead. thing I did think of was, uh, if someone uh, offers to bring food, then the person has an option to accept or reject it uh, based on the description or the picture of it in case it is something that uh, they wouldn't eat. Like, like you said, no need to waste food when there's so many people that do need it. Yes. So I think, uh, uh, and another thing, that, uh, the food wastage uh, issue that Faye was bringing up is also because, you know, it's always the suppliers. This is what I have. So we bring it to the church. And then the people at the church may or may not need it, uh, that particular food. So we've had this situation in our local church where um, they get, you know, random supplies of things that people are donating. So uh, they get, uh, you know, maybe uh, like 15 or 20 different boxes of turnips with giant big gr turnip greens on it. But a lot of people don't know how to eat them. Or the turnips are, you know, a little bit bitter. And so they're like, well, my kids eat them if I take them home. You know, and so like, uh, but I think they're absolutely awesome, right? So they don't know who is going to want it. And then so they start calling. They call They call their list. They have a list that they have on their phone now. And they call everybody to let them know, hey, the food is here. Come pick up. But then they don't know. They have to explain like, it, you know, there's just so much work to that of notifying everybody. Maybe the notification part could be made easier for the churches themselves too. Like, um, you know, if they are using your app, all the people in the area who need food are already on it, and they just push a button one time, and they don't you have know, to individually text every single person. What's also an interesting yeah, no. thing that popped into my head when you said that, though, is providing recipes with it. What, like, just attach a recipe to the thing, you know, if you're donating or if you are a cook. You know, I'm sure you could partner with chefs or other, uh, like, restaurants that have suggestions, or just like a Google search. but. Still, um, I think some kind of feature like that might actually have a higher probability because, you know, I could get a bag of beans but not know what to do with it. You know, I might not even know how to cook yet. 
Um, I noticed there was one thing when I was in California, there was these prepared uh, foods uh, already like, you know, uh, serving sized out or whatever. I don't know. Prepackaged how to do things for food. And it was much easier and more uh, incentive to actually do it because you had the recipe, you had how much you had to use um, and an idea of what to do. Um, I'm not saying this would be the, <laughs> that's a lot of work for a developing. So like, yeah. yeah, that actually happened to me after, after the turnip greens came out and I took them home. Right. And I was thinking about this problem. Like probably a lot of people didn't show up to the church to take them because they're like, Oh, what do I do with these? You know? And so, um, I found a recipe that, that made them very, very delicious. I thought. And really took the bite out of it. And so um, I sent it back to the to the church, right? But now I'm thinking, but the, she's not going to text everybody. <laughs> you know, she's not going to text the recipe to everyone, but but just for next time, maybe. But it's still, you know, uh, that I think the recipe idea is is uh, something that could be easily, you know, accessed if, you know, when, when you provide some sort of uh, uh, item like that, you could explain how to how to actually cook it. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Uh, one other thing I just thought of was, um, instead of just individuals signing up for the app, uh, like you said, a, a food bank, uh, an establishment can register as a place to receive food. And, uh, yeah, it could really help streamline, uh, their inventory if they, if they, uh, just need milk or just need a certain thing. They could put it right on the list and then people know what to deliver. Is a lot of people don't have, uh, communication networks. Um, the other thing is a learning curve with, um, any app. There's a million apps, right? And there's so much learning. Um, and every time there's a new one, you got to have a learning curve, even if it's a simple app, even if it's intuitive. Um, so, uh, but if you're broke, and this is a need for now, I think there are um, particular apps that you might consider learning to use as a tool to start the process, even though you don't have a, a computer programmer to make the, uh, what you're talking about. Um, so, uh, Discord is a great platform for communication and, uh, connecting other people's discords. What you could do right now is encourage different food banks or churches to get connected on it and then interconnect these different Discord channels, um, uh, through a link that doesn't expire. You got to change the setting, but, um, uh, then that way they start doing the uh, communicating on their own. And then you can post the links to the um, um, recipes. Uh, you could uh, have links to, you know, even how to go to these things. If you want to do this and get it out as quickly as possible, I think starting a framework of getting people communicating is probably a good first step. Um, and, Discord is used by a lot of gamers, okay, but it's also used by, like, podcasters like us, but um, it is something that won't die. Uh, it's free to use. It's going to be around even beyond our death, most likely. It could be outdated and upgraded, obviously, but, I mean, for now, it's a great platform to consider. Um, other tools, uh, such as Notion.so, is something I found, and it's a... a if you were to make a website, there's all these little branches that come off. Uh, and I haven't quite used it yet, but I've looked at it. And I'm like, ooh, I want to use that. And what it is is uh, if you have a website, you have all these different pages you go to. And those pages have pages and other links. And it becomes this, like, little tree of links. 
um, that expand out. <clears throat> consider using some platform like that. So you can pre-create a website or pre-create um, anything if, I guess you already have a website, uh, but it is something to consider. Um, and additionally, uh, they, um, yeah. do you remember when we talked to the Love Fridge people? Yeah. Does, have you talked to Paul about the Love Fridge quite a bit or? Uh, I don't think so. Paul, have you uh, heard of the Love Fridge in Chicago? That uh, this is, is it like a community fridge? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they have yeah a I've seen something similar on Twitter. I think they are up to maybe like a dozen uh, fridges around uh, Chicago and various neighborhoods. There's definitely uh, yeah. a lot of possibility to overlap with that project, too, because you're both serving the same need with different approaches. But like they could use your app to target different uh, fridges that are low on certain items and such, too. So maybe talking to them would be really useful. And it could be like uh, where, like again, Paul could be the one that uh, that registers more more of the users as they come up, so that they can actually track it. Like we had talked to the Love Fridge in Chicago, and uh, they have sort of estimates about how many p users are using their you know their fridges, but they don't have any uh, they don't have any tracking you know like method. So like I was suggesting maybe they have something that. Uh, for example, knows when the door is opening and closing, or if something is being taken out, um, something like that. But having having good statistics and numbers would really help a project like that, just because people love you know hearing the math and the st statistics and are more likely to contribute and help when they when they uh, see that it's something is useful. So if they had an app like yours in conjunction with their service. They could track how many users were using it. They could track how uh, what types of food are actually needed and what types of food are being requested. And um, if if the, the food is matching up correctly, you know, lots of things like that could be a very good, very beneficial. And then that could just be the first step. That could be round one. And then the app can improve itself. And for the next iteration, you know, bring in the next phase, maybe food banks and stuff. Um, but, you know, you probably go live before you have it completed because it's always going to be an evolving project, I'll bet. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking is um, having like a QR scanner as an option. So that way mm -hmm. you could really uh, kind of track, uh, you know, packages from uh, the giver to the receiver. So each time a package moves from one person to another, they each person would scan Just it. Just scan it right on their phone. Scan it and yeah. they know where it's gone to. Hmm. So um, just as a suggestion, uh, probably rewatching this episode, it, it, maybe I'm just mansplaining something, rewatch this episode and take notes and actually like download some maps and stuff. Um, also, maybe consider uh, creating a Patreon if you don't already um, and uh, theme your tiers of Patreon. Um, a lot of like grassroots crowdfunding uh, as an activist uh, is I'm going to push it as a new movement, okay? <laughs> I think it needs to happen. Um, and it, it already kind of exists, right? But I think uh, the tears and needing to give back is so... Mm, I get why people want it, but I think we need to push that certain activists need to focus more of their time on the actual projects and not the gifts of the people donating. Um and, you know, GoFundMes uh, are good, and you can always use an example. Um, an additional thing to consider is Linktree. So it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E -E backslash whatever, you know, 
good, go to uh, the admin and then create your own. Um, and using that will give you links to all the different uh, URLs that you have created. Um, so maybe you have a Discord page, but you also have a website while you also have all these other things. These are workarounds for not having money. Um, and I've been able to, um, I mean, it's a huge learning curve. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But as you keep adding things, you know, slowly evolve it. And you can make things without actually having an app yet. Um, and the more you have, the more uh, credibility you have with people. Um, and as you're doing it, you're going to learn things you have overlooked. Uh, and it'll give you kind of like, oh, I need to consider this. Oh, I need to consider this. Um, and uh, these are just tools I personally implore. So, I mean, you don't have to take any of my advice, though. <laughs> uh, it's a, you, it's a big are ask. you giving advice to Paul or to our listeners? I'm, I'm trying to figure anybody, out. Anybody, anybody, but mainly both. Paul. Uh, yeah, anybody can use this advice. Uh, I think. Okay. So, Paul, are you um, are you um, a developer yourself? Do you under, do you do any um, app building on your own? No, no. Um, my background is yeah. <clears throat> good idea. Uh, so, my background is actually engineering and teaching. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends about the hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know, just, you know, feeding, feeding people and basic need of, uh, food, uh, it's kind of been something that, I don't know, I've been sporting for a while. And, um, uh, a couple of years ago I was working with another friend on a different app. So I had, uh, kind of a little, I don't know, little view into that world and, uh, just kind of blended the two ideas together with an app and people's basic need and, you know, seemed logical. So you've worked on two apps without, you know, writing a line of code without, you've just started, you've just had um, a directorial logistical uh, creative role. Uh, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I just kind of had more input in the first app and uh, I was more of the beta tester working out some of the kinks. So a uh, friend of a friend actually was a uh, app developer and he did all the uh, coding, the fun stuff. And yeah. you're going to be like the producer for this new for this new app. So, so one that yeah, I just like career. to uh, you know add my vision. <clears throat> I think yeah, Faye brought this up. I'm gonna. Oh, Are you gonna bounce? I'm gonna. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm for, supposed to be coming, on a Faye. different podcast. Uh, if you want to contact me, Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok is Tisdony T I S D O N E Y, and uh, I'll see you guys around. Thanks for having me. I'll I'll catch you later. And thank okay, you for say coming hi on. To Izzy. Say hi to Izzy for us. Hi, Faye. Bye. Take care. So Faye proposed, you know, broadly speaking, doing what you can now. Um, have you considered starting with just like a database and on the website of people who have excess food, their area, and like people who might want food and just matching people up sort of informally being like, hey, here's someone who's like four miles from you. If you want to contact them, you can give them your food. We don't have any liability. For if anything bad happens between you, but you know this is the service the website provides right now, and maybe it'll become an app after it has more traffic and credibility. And but also, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's I don't a know. good what idea. Do you think of that? Like you know, just like get started with what you can do now, and then grow yeah. from there. I think uh, yeah, it's interesting and possible. Um, I'd have to talk to my website, my website designer. designer. Uh, yeah, 
if he's capable of doing something like that. You could start it so simple. Like the website has a field, like a, like a, a field for text. And it's like, you know, write, uh, write me a note, leave me your email, just hit send, or even just put your email address on the page. If you don't even want a form on the page, just have it text text. It's like, Hey, if you're hungry or you have excess food, uh, email me. I will keep a database personally. If I see two people who are within vicinity, I'll let you know. I'll contact you and just start it that simply, you know? And also maybe... uh, Great idea. uh, Another, I think it is a great idea and maybe start in your own town. Uh, You said Poughkeepsie is a certain size. Uh, Sounds like a manageable size. And so then practically anybody in uh, Poughkeepsie could probably get to somebody else in the same town. Wait, what state are you in? In a reasonable amount in New York your state. Okay, so you're not you're very close to me. I'm in Middletown, so we're not far at all. So oh, maybe yeah, we should close, work yeah. together on this thing, right? That makes sense. <laughs> Keep in touch yeah. with me. We'll figure it out. That's good. <laughs> yeah, and the, I think the the great benefit of starting something, you know, in a in a first stage, is that you're learning a lot as you do it, but that you can't learn without actually, you know, digging into it and trying to do it. So um, just by trying to do it the old-fashioned way, even, you would be learning a lot about things that work and don't work and how you actually want things to go. Have you actually um, yourself used, uh, you know, um, food banks and things like that in order to match up for yourself at any time? Uh, No, I've shied away. I probably could have, but uh, I've shied away myself. Okay, so that could be a good way to just start exploring, too, is, um, like, we can... Uh, for me, you know, just having, I've done food banking on both sides of it. Um, and so volunteering and then also, uh, accepting. And so it's, it gives you a perspective of what, you know, actually goes on and then the challenges of it, you know, what types when food goes bad, you know, what things you have to be careful for to not get into some sort of legal issue. Um, just seems, you know. There's uh, someone named Moto, a good friend of mine who comes on the show pretty frequently. He's not here right now, but he's actually also in the Hudson Valley with us here. He is connected to a Hudson Valley-like coding sort of club organization. They used to meet in person before the whole plague thing. So maybe you can get connected with them and they can help you also if you do want to go in the app direction. But... uh Start it as a database, and I'll I'll help you out. I mean, are you are you? Do you think you could put in the man hours yourself to actually just just you know collect people's information and keep the database? It probably wouldn't be too much to start. I think. Um, <laughs> well, now that you said it, I was thinking of actually just posting it right on the web page. Kind of add a extra page on there where people okay. just make their own lists. So people and just uh, like people add to it. I'll just post it. Right. So just like. Like it will automatically generate. Um, ideally, it would be able to generate it uh, kind of by area, mm-hmm. yeah, just to narrow it down somewhat, so it's not a complete mishmash. Yeah, that should be doable, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll actually uh, contact my guy today and uh, That's cool. see if he's up for the challenge. All right. I mean, uh, we'll be friends on Discord, or come back to this Discord too if you're uh, when um whenever uh. If you need, I don't have to contact me, I guess, <laughs> or anyone here. Uh, I think Shayla yeah, is saying um, that 
uh, there's a this this group that he's talking about. Maybe uh, have people in it who would be able to help you with the coding and so forth, and maybe even some of the time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Chill? There's a local like coding club that Moto uh, used to uh, go to. I, I've been there a couple times too. So I'll try to hook you up with those people, and maybe they can help you. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, as soon as we're done here, I'll do that. But uh, we do have like and then uh, an hour. Left. And then my contact information is uh, right on the web page. So if you need to contact me, um, yeah, you could just get my information right from the web page. Yeah, yeah so I didn't mean to tra- signal like we're out of time or anything. We're not anywhere close. Yeah, to we can time. share I that. Know this is like an end of the episode type conversation. I just didn't want to forget. We can we <laughs> can enough. share that. We can share that. Uh, we'll share his information at yeah. the episode. So, um, Paul, do you have time to spend with us? Do you have another hour to spend? I sure with? do. Okay. Yeah, great. absolutely. Great. So I wanted to hear more about how you ended up. So you, you've done some things having to do with apps, and you really wanted to deal with this particular need, this human need. Um, why did you pick food rather than, you know, something else? Uh, well, I have an idea for food and shelter, mm. uh, but that idea is far more complex. Uh, my idea is kind of building um, these domes of water. And uh, the outside layer would uh, heat up from the sun, maybe some concentrated sunlight, which would produce steam. And now with steam, you could create electricity. So uh, now you have hot water, you have clean water because it's been boiled, you could even filter it. Um, And with electricity, you could even run uh, cryptocurrency mining, which would produce uh, currency. And I was thinking these things could kind of be like homeless shelters. So inside, you could have a shelter as well as uh, a garden, even fruit trees growing. And um, with the cryptocurrency, then people can actually get uh, some kind of income, a little residual income staying there. Sounds, but, very, uh, that, uh, sounds very beautiful. <laughs> it is, but obviously, it's far more complex than uh, just making an app. But you said you come from an engineering background. Yep. So uh, Yeah, I studied uh, chemical engineering and... Um, Worked for a small kind of battery fuel cell company. And so um, this idea that you have isn't just some sort of utopian dream. It's based on actual engineering principles that you've you've learned in your studies. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. So, um, but, okay. but you felt like the app would be something that would be easier to put together and faster to get started. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, so uh, I don't know if uh, all of our humans are here with us is ariel and and uh, sheridan are you all here yeah yeah okay so You're not uh, usually this quiet ariel yeah that's why i was like surprised <laughs> <for a minute. laughs> yeah yeah no there's just there's just been a lot on my mind lately so mm-hmm. like listening and stuff yeah, yeah. I, I i just did this like big thing yesterday uh with this uh guy and and i was just talking about the the ways i fell for this like online uh, uh like education product overpriced and it wasn't worth it long story but yeah yeah this this is actually uh a pretty pretty interesting so it's it's just like free food it but but then but then like how, how would people know like who's who's the person in need and who's the person providing it's just they 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 say that on the app like I have food and I need food, and then they get connected with people in their local communities or something. Yep, 
Yeah, yeah, it would be j just described on the app. So there would be a, a receiver side and a sender side. Um, another thing and I was thinking was like just that. adding a uh, star system so people kind of know if uh, people are abusing it or not. So they could kind of assess what's the person's need. Uh, uh, and I, I think something like that would just be helpful. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, a, a, like, I think that that can be done for, like, uh, they have so many apps, but, like, like uh, for for job for like doing doing some work for money too, someone can just say, "Hey, I need a little help with this thing I have at home." Of course, you'd have to like you know you know get one level of trust. But the thing is, is like the traditional job market just make like pisses me off so much because it's so like so many things in the way of like it's it's not like oh can you just get this job done? It's like okay. Like, we, they have a process of, like, making you fill out all these applications and doing all this paperwork before you can finally get in your foot in the door. And if, if like, the process of just, like, making money or doing a favor to get some money could be, like, streamlined through apps. And it wasn't just, like, giving people rides in Uber or delivering things. It was actually, like, doing something for a person. I think that would be a really, really step, a good step in the right direction too. Have you seen the, like TaskRabbit or anything, Ariel? Yeah, I think. But, but, uh, but how is it that like, d d like, what what kind of tasks are on TaskRabbit? Is it just delivery and driving? Putting things together, um, you know, uh, helping fix small items, general like small maintenance things, maybe mowing a lawn if somebody can't do it. Just small tasks. Okay. I see. Yeah, I think there's yeah. another site called Handy.com, which is mm. similar. I was yeah. actually wanting to ask Paul if, uh, you know, when you decided to do this, if you did a bunch of research into, you know, what's already out there, what people have already are already developing, have you done any of that sort of field field work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I looked uh, what I could. Um, I didn't really see anything, you know, that was too close to this. Um, I, I did see something recently where stores were, uh, giving away their expired food and there was an app that was allowing people to connect to it. Um, I downloaded the app and there weren't actually any stores in the area. So, uh, that is kind of brand new. seems like a great idea as well. So that's, uh, when Shale started the show, he actually mentioned, uh, that he thought you might be somebody else who had, who had, who had actually done something similar. So, Shale, right. so maybe, maybe you saw that. Share, yeah. Maybe you could share, um, you know, the types of things you've seen. It seems like you've had some experience researching. Okay. I don't remember the name of the app that I saw, but I saw an app, I think in 2016, uh, that was centered in, I believe, Toronto, pretty small scale. And it was just to hook restaurants that were throwing food away up with people who were hungry. And, it looked like a great idea. I lost track of the app's development and I saw what Paul was doing and because they had a cursory similarity and I, you know, just only looked at each for a moment, I thought this might be the same thing, but it wasn't. But, you know, it's it's a great idea that's, whose time has come. So it's happening um, probably in multiple places at once. There are probably other iterations of it that we aren't aware of. So it's it's good, so you know? Based on, uh, based on just the little information you gave me just now, Google came up with... Uh, a food app called um, Feedback, and it's from Toronto, and it offers, um, what it does is it offers uh, discounts of 15 to 50% to at restaurants at off-peak off times. 
<laughs> so that way, you know, you can eat, you know, when at a at a different time, yeah, and then get a discount. Oh, I know. This is so not is right was, now. That's something different, but that's a good idea too. Right now is the peak time for this to start happening because online retailers have made it so that the givers could literally be anywhere if they wanted to be and order from a local Walmart or whatnot and have it delivered to somebody. That's true. You could connect people with food to people who have money for excess food from anywhere using an app. So, I mean, you've got community, which is great, and excess food from there and such. But if nobody, in, if you're in a rural community and everybody's broke, that's not going to help you much. But say somebody in California sees me, I've got no milk for my kids that week, and they go, oh, well, I could buy it from the local Walmart and have that delivered to her. You know, it's just that easy, no matter how you look at it. Oh, that's to true, yeah. Food. Yeah, if you have awesome. people list their specific food needs, like, you know, if you can put a picture up, you know, how, like, man, uh, you know, they have those ads, like, for just $2 a day, you can sponsor a child in a third world country, or it's like, you know, just kind of like that, but people do it themselves, it's automated, and it's like, you know, you can buy me a big can of coffee for $6. <laughs> Uh, like right now, I can use like four boxes of cereal, three gallons yeah. of milk. We have no protein for the uh, evening, right? Capitalism, just, you know, guys. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Well, I here's another one that we found using just that little bit of information we gave. Um, there's one called Flash Food, and this one was launched in 2016. Might be the one you were actually thinking of. It functions like a flash sale site. So the grocery stores identify foods that are soon to expire, especially prepared foods, okay, which have a short shelf life, and they discount them at 50% off for quick sale. Huh. So it's not free, but it's, again, trying to match up people with food that is about to be wasted if we don't do something with it right away. I don't know if, if it was that one either. That doesn't sound familiar. The name just does not sound familiar at all. And really, I mean, it's not the the service that would be provided by this app would be far superior for people in need. Like I have literally zero dollars. It doesn't matter if it's half priced. I can't afford it. I couldn't afford if it were 10 cents. So that's a need that's not being met still. Yeah. So these are these are all different um, apps that, uh, you know, here's another one that's in the same article. It says it's one called Olio. And it comes from UK. It's a UK-based app. It connects people with unwanted food that might otherwise be tossed for free. So if it says that from small beginnings in 2016, this app now boasts 1.4 million users in 49 countries who so far have shared 2.5 million portions of food. So I think that would be something interesting to just see how does that work. And then, you know, you don't have to build everything from scratch. You can improve on a model that is already working. Genova has been commenting in our YouTube chat for a while. Uh, oh, okay. Let's let's see. Uh, let's find out what 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 are our friends saying online. Grocery stores just throw out stuff if it doesn't sell. It's a grotesque amount of waste. When COVID started, farmers were spilling tons spilling tons of milk and breaking eggs because they were not profitable. It cost more to get rid of it, and it had an expiration date. There are also small handfuls of local Facebook groups of people offering slash trading food as well, like help a neighbor groups. 
could data mine those sorts of things to help connect people to each other. Genova made a lot of good points there. So what do you think about uh, what, Gen- did you say Genova or Geneva? I think it's it Genova. looks like Genova. Genova, okay. Uh, what does our guest think about that? Oh, Paul is, um, has himself muted for a oh, moment, Paul. so we cannot hear you if you're trying to speak. Does anyone else I want to make I appreciate the comment. That's, I agree. I think Facebook groups where they're doing trade and such would be a great resource for Paul to look into to see how they do it for one. Like you're going to want to have examples of how things go. Oh, and it looks like we lost Paul and back. Hmm. Is he back? Well, Sheridan, are you here? Someone, someone, Owen BRND, asking if if that person Uh, can join us on the Discord. So I'm going to go ahead and make a link for Sure, sure. Yeah, have them join us. Oh, welcome back, Paul. Uh, Sheridan, I was just going to uh, say, you know, you. I was going to see if you wanted to, to talk about um, talk about your campaign at all. But, but uh... well, I, I did have a few comments about um, about the uh, interstate uh, food needs and supply concerns. For example, I really think it's kind of ridiculous to have a family in California purchase food and then send it to a family in, like, uh, uh, Kansas. No, but, no, 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 no. The idea would be um, for them to purchase it from, like, the local Walmart of the person who was requesting Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was about to say, is, is if, I'm, if I'm confusing that, then that makes a bit more sense, because uh, it, it just would be easier to just have a local store have the food ready. Um, well, and, that's, yeah, that's why the Love Fridge is good, is because uh, it's safer for people if you don't have to give out your home or anything like that, right? Uh, I agree. I think everybody that, that can... leverage is great for that as as well as it just being um, a simpler solution to like that waste that you were mentioning how store or that our uh, YouTube commenter was mentioning that stores just toss away food and farmers just literally spill their produce onto the ground because it's more expensive to trash it or to ship it out at an unprofitable price. So there's, uh, I'm lo- taking a look at Olio's uh, website, and it looks pretty, um, it looks pretty interesting. I think that would be an interesting model to to take a look at. Um, in fact, I might just go ahead and share the screen, share the screen while we're looking at it. And also, let's say hi to Owen. Owen, uh, nice to nice to have you join us. You are hi, muted, Owen. and so whenever you're ready to speak, you can go ahead. Um, Okay, so I'm thinking about doing a screen share of, um, you know, the the app and how it shows, you know, what they do. So let's take a look at this one. Mm-hmm. All right. If you're interested in taking a look at me with me, go ahead and click on the button there. All right. Is it working for you? Can you all see it? It's working. All right. So it claims it. to be the number one free sharing app. That reminds me of like FreeCycle, um, which we used to do by bulletin board, um, and you would, and I think some people are doing it on Facebook now. And people are saying millions of people are giving away food and other household items to their neighbors free. And so it has a lot of uh, some graphics to explain why you might want to give away your things or why people would want to give things. And um, it seems to have you know three simple steps: add items. You snap a photo, you set the pickup location, all right? It could be home or a safe place or a public location. Then you can choose who to share with. 
Okay. And again, you've got the star ratings, verifications, and then you can get a notification. You can read the user's profiles. And number three, happy sharing. Feel amazing knowing you've helped save the planet and made a neighbor's day. <laughs> so what do you think? Is this uh, similar to what you were thinking about? Yeah, no, that looks great. So so would you, uh, do you think you would still go through with your own project or would you just, just um, use this service? Good well, question. Does it actually work in our country? Or oh, is it only Canada? Canada. It was, well, it was UK-based, and it's working in 49 countries at the time of that article. So let's find out, does this work in the United States? Um, you can get it on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Um, I don't actually know if it covers the United States or not. Because, you know, the United States is very difficult legally. We have 50 different states, so it's, it would seem like we're one country. But we're not. We're like 50 different right? 50 mm -hmm. different states all making their own rules about food safety and all. And so I don't know if, uh, like, yeah, how do we find out whether it's available to us in the United States? Hmm. Can you download it? Um, let's see. Do Does Olio work in the United States? How about that? That should be a, that would seem like a simple question, but <laughs> it doesn't seem to be uh, number one uh, answer around here. So <laughs> I guess it would be something we would have to try it out and see if it works or not. Yeah. About Olio. How about, about Olio? Does it tell us? Nope. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, and finally we have here, uh, no waste. No waste is some kind of a, uh, is another type of app where you have to keep a running inventory of the food in your pantry, fridge, and freezer, I guess, and it helps you. Oh, but you can scan your food's barcode or enter each item from a list. And then all it does is it, you know, reminds you that your food is going to go bad if you don't hurry up and eat it. <laughs> well, that seems a little bit uh, first world problem-y. You have so much time, right, <laughs> to enter all your food into your um, your apps. All right. Well, thank you for um, taking a look at that with me. I'm going to stop streaming so we can get back to the conversation. And so follow utter silence. How's it going, Owen? Would you like to speak? <laughs> I, we have seen your eyes several times, so that was interesting. <laughs> All right, anyway. Okay, perhaps we're just being photobombed for a second. That's fine. <laughs> or, or, That's uh, fine, Owen. Welcome bombed. to the show. Owen, would but you like I, to have $2,000 a month from the government? That's a good question. <laughs> I think you deserve it, Owen. What would you do with $2,000 a month from the government? You could do Very so much with those eyes. You could Photoshop them. You could buy software. You could take videos of them in the highest definition pristine pristine sublime videos just just yeah, wonderful so, eye videos and you could put them on youtube well back to the uh there you go the Look at that. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> anyway go on so uh with the olio with the olio app that we were looking at um would you want to do something just like that or something a little bit different what kinds of things would you improve on or change um I think Olio just seemed more open-ended because it was, wasn't just about sharing food. It was about sharing anything, right? No? Yeah, I think, I think uh, it, it, it looked yeah, like it was besides food. food. 
No, was besides food, food, I think you could free cycle other things. Yeah, so it seems like an awesome idea. Uh, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing if I could download it and actually use it. But uh, yeah, it look, looks great. Yeah, I would definitely be interested in downloading it and seeing if there's anybody in my area giving away food. That'd be great. So I doubt that um, a lot of things that uh, work in the big cities have special challenges when it gets out to the rural. And so, like, um, uptake on uh, apps are, is generally low for new apps and stuff because, uh, you know, again, it's like, what are the chances that somebody else in Palestine is actually using this app where I live? And so you might, you know, download it once. And like you said, you know, you try it, you're like, yeah, there's nobody else in my area. And so you take it off your phone before, you know, more people join. So that could be um, an issue that that would have to be addressed, you know, early on. And I think that actually, in you know, if you had that option of the family in California, like Sheridan was saying, you know, if the family in California who's in a big city can still send you food in the rural area by somehow, you know, purchasing something at the local Kroger's and just having you go pick up, that would be pretty cool. Because then, you know, then you'd be like, okay, I live in a rural area, but somebody in the big city who has money and who's willing to help me might be able to do that. Maybe uh, maybe some way of just transferring cash or just sort of, um, you know, move uh, sort of. Well, the nice thing about the I need food thing in is I know a lot of people are, particularly since we're actually all broke for the most part, careful about giving away money because Mm -hmm. money can turn into anything. Right. Yeah. Um, And that's a great idea for a UBI. But on a personal basis, you want to make sure that if you're giving up what little you have, that it's going towards a good cause. So the nice thing about having an app where it's directly food instead of money um, is that you're ensuring that it definitely, if it's a personal sacrifice, that it definitely is the personal sacrifice you were trying to make. Mm. Indeed. Uh, One other thing that I've uh, come across is some people that need food uh, don't necessarily have the place for food storage. So, um, you know, when they need a meal, they just need a meal. And uh, they don't really necessarily have anywhere to cook it or store it. So an app like this can kind of help them uh, get something to eat when uh, there's maybe no other sources available. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy in uh, in the chat, and he says that uh, this, I believe this comment was retracted by YouTube the first time he said it or something, because it's got a message that says, like, you know, message retracted and there's nothing else. Just Jeremy left a blank thing. I said, hey, uh. Your message was retracted. So he tell you, I guess he rephrased it. And uh, he says, check out Scott Santons' reading of The Tyranny of Kindness on YouTube, uh, the current corporate food bank donation uh, schema is a racket. It is a corrupt racket, he says. So I will check that out. I believe Wait, it. Wait, what is that corrupt racket? I don't, the Wait. current corporate foods, food bank donation scheme. Is a racket. Oh, says, like, I think it sort of is because uh, you what know corporate it, again, food banks are there. None come to mind, but I believe that if there are corporate food banks, they're doing it wrong and exploiting people where they can because that's what a corporation well, does. Okay, I think maybe he just that. means that they're um, cooperating with the corporations just to. Um, yeah, that might even be it. No, I haven't. No, no, I, I know what this is about. For example, when uh, Trump gave out food mm-hmm. and he put a letter in each of the boxes. And the food was donated by Cisco or very, very large corporations, basically. Um, so what happened? Cisco got some sort of write-off for providing all this free stuff. 
that was probably going to go bad if they didn't sell it, right? And so they put it all, you know, they put these boxes together and they got some sort of benefit. They wrote it off their taxes or whatever it is. They declared it a loss and they're getting some kind of benefit. And and humans that were eating hopefully also received some benefit. Unless, of course, they were just giving out a lot of food that people couldn't use, which is some of that, you know, happened to us. And so, and then Trump got a, you know, benefit because he got to put his name on it. But here, this is from the White House, right? He got, he gained political advantage uh, by being the president at the time he gave out this, this uh, food. So in the meantime, um, how many families are really um, cooking up um, canned chickpeas? Well, I would, right? And probably a lot of families that are really, probably did but i'm just saying like uh you know there's it's corrupt because small farmers who are maybe trying to donate their probably don't get as much of a benefit somehow i'm just thinking that somehow corporations can take advantage of these systems that are easier for them you know and and less possible for individuals who just want to donate food to their neighbors and stuff so i can't get my kids to eat certain things and chickpeas that is definitely a no-go if i get a can of that it's just pointless Oh, I I think they're delicious. So, (laughs) yeah, that's the thing is like each person is different. You can't just give people a box and say, oh, here you are. You write off the full amount. And the person who receives it, I can eat a box because I don't actually know what to do with the rest of it. Right. And uh, so the food is still being wasted. Um, Anyway, I was thinking about um, another thing with the food sharing. If you have some food that you can't cook or you can't use, um, and we've actually had people on our podcast who said, well, I have food stamps, right? But I can't um, use my food stamps because I don't have transportation (laughs) to actually go and get the food. And you can't use the food stamps right now during the pandemic. They've just started a trial with Amazon uh, Fresh. And I was all excited. Oh, Amazon Fresh in my state is working. But when I go to use Amazon, no fresh um, in my area because Amazon Fresh is only metro. It doesn't extend out to the rural communities, so they can send. Yes, that's the problem that, I had with that too. Right. So, so even when they're uh, and they're only doing it in a few states, they haven't gone national. So they've they they're piloting this in a few states. And um, so anyway, there's there's a lot of people with food stamps that, like you said, maybe can't cook the food. Well, I can get you know the same thing over and over. But there's, I can eat sandwiches every day, you know. <laughs> so it would be neat if the app was able to match up people with food stamps. So I, I can actually buy the food, but I can't cook it and I can't do certain things with it because I have nowhere to store it. You know, I can't, I can't get to the place where I need to use it, whatever. Maybe we could uh, make those food stamps actually more useful to people by matching them up with somebody who can help them cook it or help them get to the store or, you know, do the things that they aren't able to do. Um, and that could be like a, a long, a more long-term type of relationship. It could be like, well, we hook you up and then this is your buddy. This is your food stamp buddy. You know, you they have a fridge space that you can use. They can drive you to the store on a regular basis, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was thinking with the app is once people are in connect, um, then, you know, there's really endless possibilities as far as what relationship, uh, comes of it. Uh, so, Obviously, some people that want to help want to help with more than just food. And if, you know, they could connect with someone that needs more, then hopefully this is uh, the start of that. 
Yeah, so it could be like um, your app could be different if you were actually thinking about an app that builds long-term relationships for people where you kind of partner up with somebody who has, you know, because chronic problems with uh, food insecurity. Kind of a donor sponsor thing. Yeah, and that that would actually be less work once you actually have a good pairing, you know, or multiple pairings um, for, for people, you know, and then it's like this person is taken care of for the long term. And they don't have to, you know, every day visit the app to do something. Yeah, maybe uh, add it as an option. Would you like to be a long-term uh, sponsor? Yeah, that could be an option too. That's true. Just yep. many, many different ways it could go. Indeed. <laughs> so um, what other types of um, projects have you been conceiving of in terms of engineering? Um. Engineering-wise, it's basically, um, I, I was calling it the Glass Houses Project. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, kind of uh, using solar steam as a base for your energy, your hot water. Um, and with solar steam, um, you're also creating pressure. And I think you could kind of store that pressure and use it as energy in a later d- time. So uh, uh, just things along that nature. Uh, we have some comments in our Twitch, and uh, somebody said, um, what? These people are retarded. Canned chickpeas is a staple of Latin America. <laughs> and uh, this person... Well, I live in Michigan. I, I like canned chickpeas. I will eat them uh, raw. I just open a can of chickpeas, drain it, and put on a little like oil and vinegar and salt and pepper. Good to go. A little garlic powder if you want. Well, you uh, I'll it. eat them, but my kids won't. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. Well. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's a tough sell to the young ones. Well, I think they're delicious personally, so I it's hard for me to, you know, but then again, when I was little, I used to watch this show called um uh, well, I used to read a book, uh, a comic series called Mafalda, and it was um I think Argentinian in uh, origin, and it was very famous, you know, in that area. And uh but I read it in Chinese. After translation, um, as a little girl, and so here I'm reading about it. it. Says this little girl hates soup. She just hates soup. And I had never heard of a child soup in Taiwan. Like <laughs> it, it just wasn't a thing, right? And so I, I could never understand why she wouldn't like soup. Like I thought she this was the craziest kid, you know. But then later, as I was as I got older, and I understood that cooking was different, right? In Argentina, Argentinian cooking was different. I was like, oh, it might be a specific type of soup where you put a lot of things in it, you know, and there might be things that that little kids are not used to or, you know, might be prepared with uh, with like too many ingredients, you know, uh, whereas in China, in Taiwanese soups, it's more tends to be just a very clean broth type of thing. And so I was like, OK, I, I'm starting to get it now. <laughs> so maybe the type of cooking, the way that people prepare things, you know, can can cause a different well, reaction. It definitely does. I mean, I live in Michigan. The things that we are exposed to here, I, I'm poor as shit. You know, it's, it's mostly ramen noodles for us. You know, I I don't know much about these different types of foods. I have a very limited diet, really. We eat the same thing every day to try and make our budget stretch. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this person was, um, was upset that we didn't like, uh, that we talked about canned chickpeas. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know, 
that happened. Well, I'm sorry. I don't like bacon either. You can persecute me for that if you'd like. That can be the next thing. Yeah, I think it's more a personal preference for the for the kids, you know. And also in every country, it's different. Like in my country, um, in Taiwan, chickpeas would be delicious. I don't, I don't see any anybody would not like that. But it's probably not very common, just because it's not. It doesn't grow. I don't think in Taiwan, so it just wouldn't be something that would be um, available. So, but I think the attitudes that people have towards food are definitely different in different countries. Like in the United States, I find that a lot of kids don't like their food to touch each other, which I'm always think that's really weird. <laughs> like, like how would this kid would survive in a Chinese family? No, yeah, when I, I don't know why, but I was like, if it has touched, it's contaminated, it's no good. It's not one thing or the other. It's two. It's something different. It's it's a, an abomination. Get it out of here. I loved as a, like a, as like a yeah as like a three year old. <laughs> I just like my favorite lunch was like cottage cheese and canned peaches. But if they touched, that was off. It was disgusting. Absolutely, dis- I hate it. Dis- like they had messed each other. Unthinkable. Up. They sh- they unthinkable kept- that I would uh-huh. eat them had they touched. But separate. Yeah, that's I only exactly want my I foods to mix day. if they're meant to mix. Yeah. Yeah, I don't casseroles know. are great though. Right? Yeah. Now, now, I'm, now are great. I, you know, pepper just shove pie? anything in my mm. mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, casserole, whatever. Just, 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 you know, just melt things together with cheese and starches and oils. I'll eat it, but not when I was a kid. <laughs> so, but that's the like. I find that I, I think that's actually a kind of cultural. Like you would think. Well, it's just one kid's preference but i find that i've never i don't think there are any kids who do that in the chinese eating because in chinese eating you eat together well first of all we don't even have uh, like we don't have children's plates Mm -hmm. when you go to the restaurant the whole idea that children have a different set of foods that are more limited in in in, uh it's a creation of the free market it's a new market that we can capitalize on yeah like Parents would never think in chi- in China or Taiwan that we should give the children something else than what the adults are eating. So that already is very different. Like the idea that there's a children's plate and that there's a smaller menu to choose from. Yeah. Uh, that would be cheaper. Like we well, were like, we'd be like, no, they eat the same thing we do. Right. Like in Tristan's just- case, there's always a separate menu, right? Mm hmm. Because mm-hmm. like he will not eat the same thing as we're eating. He will it's so hard to get him to eat vegetables. I have to like slip them into other things to do anything or he'll literally spit it out. He'll throw it across the room if he doesn't like it. So how about a person who's similar to Tristan? What if they were, you know, born in, in Chinese culture instead of American? How would that be handled? What would happen? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know because I, I don't remember any example, right? Mm-hmm. As, a, as a kid, I certainly didn't see much of it. And I came to the United States when I was six. And then, uh, you know, I've, I can't really imagine what would happen. So, um, I think some of it is cultural and some of it is, um, you know, of course going to be a personal, personal preference for each person. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really interesting thing is, of course, food banks are not built for ethnic eating, right? Yeah. So if I wanted some Chinese, um, food that I never ever get to get because I'm in the rural area and we just don't have a Chinese grocery store or any sort of Asian grocery store here. Um, I have to basically drive to Dallas before I can find <laughs> a grocery store with Chinese ingredients. You know, if I want to make 
Thai food or something like that. We just don't have that stuff here. So why would a food bank stock it? And then the food banks, if they stock anything like that, um, you know, then then people who don't know how to cook with it would be like, what did you give me this for? <laughs> like, what would I do with this curry? Do I eat curry? Do I deal? So there's like, uh, I think actually for rate uh, an app like this would be, you know, really preferable to a food bank if you could somehow, you know, indicate that you would like to, you know, occasionally get some ethnic food that was, you know, to your ethnicity or just somebody who's an adventurous eater who wants to try different. Uh, it'd be really great if you could do that. Surprise that you can't get to an Asian uh, supermarket within driving distance for you. It's too well. It's driving distance if you call two hours. No, it's two hours away. Driving distance is twenty <laughs> no. minutes tops. Twenty five minutes tops. That's ridiculous. I have like like at least one within like a, a fifteen mile radius of me. I think I have one that's not Asian. I have one here in town, uh, like Pan African. Yeah. That's, so so that, they only have that. one. They only had one <laughs> store, so they were Pan African. It was probably run by somebody who yeah. was, you know, more more associated with one culture. That's just a random <laughs> thing. That's just a yeah. Real, it's not because Africa is very large. An interesting but... aberration. <laughs> that's very cool. Um, and, yeah. And then when I went there, I I couldn't use it. the The thing is, hmm. I got there and I couldn't use my food stamps. Yep. Right. Yep. Because they are a boutique. small store. They were approved know. by the state. I don't even know how they get approved, right? And Who they, knows? And said, I think some 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 stodgy old person comes and goes like, "Oh, you're you're shoddy enough for the poor's. Here you go, approved." You know, <laughs> some they went to this uh, African store. They're like, "What is this? This boutique exotic foods? No, the poor's shan't shop here to Walmart with them." So, like, I would have been like a hundred percent ready to like get started learning about African. Yeah, culture this does, but then I found out I couldn't afford it on a regular. Yeah, so that it was sucks. Like I just gave up immediately. There's oh, an God. Indian uh, supermarket in town, but I don't know if they take food stamps either. There's so many places that I would shop differently if I had the kind of funds to do so. I would love to really vary up our diet a bit more. Right now, it's mostly pastas and uh, pastas and breads because they're cheap. They're cheap. It's easy. Like I can buy like five things of noodles for the cost of like a few fruits, and I need to make my food stretch for the mm-hmm. whole month. Mm-hmm. Like it's seven days before my food card comes back in, and we're down to nothing. So like at we're we're stretching rice, we're stretching ramen, we're stretching peanut butter, and what little is left is like down to bare bones. But you make it work, and the way you do that is by buying the cheapest, most horrible stuff for you you can. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, have you ever like uh, calculated what ha- what number of dollars per meal you could actually spend if you use just your food uh, stamps? If I if I use just my food stamps, and I've had to do that some months, especially before the Yang Gang was willing to help me, mm-hmm. I think it's something like two dollars to five dollars a meal for each of us per person. And yeah, and um, part of that is because my husband doesn't get counted as a child t- care or as a caregiver even though mm-hmm. he's at home making sure that Tristan is taken care of too, because he's a two person job. Mm. Um, so he doesn't get food stamps. So we're technically a family of four getting the food stamps for a family of three. Mm. Now, can you get disability for uh, your son? 
My son is on disability, but his disability is being used to pay for the home we're living in, the electricity, the water, you know, the kinds of things that keep him safe and off of the streets or out of a home. And it's certainly not enough to pay for an adult to not go to work. (laughs) Yeah, he gets less than $1,000 a month. And so our family of four um, gets um, food stamps for three people and and under $12,000 a year. And that's what we're living off of in Michigan. I think children are counted differently than adults in terms of how much they get for food stamps. So it's not like three adults on food stamps. It's like, right? I think, I think there it's. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the calculations go out to, but yeah. Regardless, you know, if, if they're only calculating the food for three people and you've got four people, you're going to have food scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to give up your job just so you can get food stamps for that one extra person. That's not even close. (laughs) No. And they, you know, they keep you at the bare minimum or less. There's just no margin of error in the piddling amount of food stamps they give you. I've been on food stamps many times. It's terrible. Uh, It's a little bit off topic, but uh, like when I've had to eat terrible food, when I've had poor nutrition due to poverty, it is helpful if you have good lactobacillus, good gut bacteria, and you can get that by fermenting your own sauerkraut or kimchi. Just get a a, a, a water-locked fermenting crock for like 60 bucks from, from Amazon when you when you can, or if someone can get it for you or something. Uh, so, uh, it, we and then you put actually... just cabbage in it. Cabbage is like the cheapest vegetable in the world. You know, you buy that, you put it in there with salt water. There are a million tutor- tutorials on YouTube. And then in three weeks, you have... Uh, something that's six and that that's rich in all six strains of lactobacillus that human beings evolved to have symbiotically in their guts to digest their food. So if you have to eat ramen, if you have to eat rice, if you need to extract the protein and, and the small amount of nutrients that are in those foods, you need the best gut bacteria that you can have. And for me, it's made a big difference personally. So I recommend very, very highly eating probiotic food every day especially if you have to eat a nutrient-poor diet. Anyway, uh, sorry for, for hogging the mic here. You're saying, Faye. Oh, no, I just wanted to um, – uh, I, I really appreciate your explanation of that. I'm not sure how that would help um, with a child who won't eat the kimchi or won't eat the fermented food, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think it's interesting. That, that will not help with a child friend, who won't eat it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So our friend uh, Rosebank718 is speaking to us on the Twitch. And um, she says that after having accused us of uh, racism for a minute and <laughs> classic, uh, classic, more than classist classism, she did say that she doesn't eat. And she says that um, her only question is, wouldn't UBI ultimately drive up the cost of everything, which effectively cancels out the benefits of increased income due to basic supply and demand and greed? And she's concerned about this because she lives in New York City. And um, at the end of the day, increased population keeps driving up the cost of everything and increased taxes drive out high earners, which then pushes the tax burden down to the end consumer. So and government I, is going to. Oh, yeah. Listen, let me just I, stop I there. There's to, a lot uh, chomp into this because I love discussing demand and supply uh, with regards of major government programs like a basic income. So for the U.S. specifically. Um, we really could utilize a basic income heavily, even one like as generous as like four or five thousand dollars a month, and have really little impact 
on our M3 and MB money supplies. Um, while yes, people would have a ton more money, we wouldn't really see inflation because people would be um, buying things that we are already making. So uh, our current utilization of goods and services is hovering around 73%, even after all this stimulus money that's washing through our economy. Um, and that indicator uh, is likely to stay unless we have major monthly recurring stimulus to actually start bringing our utilization up close to 100%. As that utilization approaches 100%, then you'll start seeing um, demand pull inflation. Um, for you living in New York, the reason you're seeing like housing prices and rental prices explode is because you're a major immigration center. More people are physically coming in and crea creating more demand. Demand is not just cash in a region. Demand is want for things. So having more people creates more want for things. But having more rich people does not create more want for more things. It creates more want for better things. So you're, um, I'll, so I'll you're saying that UBI would not increase the price of, you know, eggs and, and bread and butter? Especially those uh, common staples. Those are pretty well uh, robust prices. You're not going to suddenly walk into the store one day and pay $10 for a quart of milk. I mean, that would just... It, things can only be so expensive. There's or markets a lot of, um, will actually break down. Uh, uh, so a good resource to uh, look into for about uh, inflation and stuff. Scott Santons has done a lot of research on that. And if you want to get into really tight policy information and really tight numbers, you can look on his site. It would be a lot more... Um, thorough than what we can provide you here. And also what's going on is um, when you have money moving through, okay, uh, every time the money moves through the economy, yes, it is going to have, uh, it is going to increase people's income and it's also going to increase in taxes that are taken out, correct? Um, so that's why uh, what, what you're doing is you're putting money into the economy uh, but instead of giving it to big banks, which we do when we do quantitative easing, we want to give that to everybody at the lowest level that of need. You want to match it up with people who actually need the money. Rather than giving the money to the banks, we're going to give that to the people themselves. And um, and it's issuing the same amount of money. You're just issuing it at a... And so, um, so t the tax burden doesn't have to increase. It's just that you're going to have more money to spend. Um, I think I heard another person was trying to reply, and I might have cut you off. Were you ready to say something, Paul? Um, no, I, I just thought uh, his answer was well said. It was an excellent rebuttal. Oh, okay. So here are some more questions that are coming from uh, Rose, who is listening. Rose Bank um, says, government is going to give out UBI. Rents go up as well. There really is no point. It's putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. But isn't it the goal of Biden to increase immigration and the end goal of one billion by twenty one? Okay, now that's a whole different situation. There's yeah, a lot to changing our immigration that. rules is very different than uh, local immigration and inflation disruptions. Let's start with the UBI and rent. Okay, so uh, we talked about UBI and bread and butter. How about 
is red uh, hot. Red is actually oh. even easier than uh, bread and butter. Bread and butter are actually a lot closer to free market commodities while having sticky prices as part of our consumer confidence. But rent is legally sticky. So most uh, states have a uh, form of rental control where you can't increase rent more than a certain percentage of its base cost year on year. Uh, and courts will enforce that. You, you can't overcharge uh, a person on a same contract. That's why you'll see a lot more evictions or a lot more people getting kicked out of uh, apartments and uh, rental units because tenant, landlords can just uh, kick out a tenant and bring in a new tenant on a different contract at a much higher price. But if you already have a contract then you have laws protecting you as a renter. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're talking about zoning can help. I have a different idea about what really helps. I feel like uh, with the UBI, the reason that people would not see their rents continue to go up is because UBI allows you to stay in place or to actually move out of the cities. And the primary reason to go to the big is because you're going to earn more money there, even though you're paying more money, right? To The cost of living is higher, but you're earning more money. And so that's why people send their youth out from the rural area. You know, go to the big city, you make the big money. And then you can send that money home to somebody who's living in a where the, the area, the cost of living is low. Or you can even move back there when you're, right? When, you, when you're no longer working, you'll have more money saved up so you can uh, go someplace where the cost of living is lower. I think that universal basic income is going to make it easier for people to spread out and not have to all crowd into the same space and therefore, thereby driving up the rents in certain places. Yeah, I completely agree. One place that I think will see uh, rents rise rapidly is the shadier uh, rental companies like uh, trailer parks or um, mobile home development areas. Um, those those companies already run really um, sketchy, to be generous, uh, sales tactics to uh, achieve what they want. So they would absolutely uh, use evictions and uh, 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 other uh, legal tactics to avoid uh, contract law. So U- UBI is a really good... Uh, social program for bringing people who are in bad situations out and into a better situation. Another um, thing to... Oh, our work situation. I'm just going to finish up this uh, uh, last little idea. Uh, especially as remote work is becoming so much popular, it's, it's really driving a lot of people out of the cities, like in mass. And I think UBI would just put a razor's edge on that. Another thing to remember about UBI is when we actually um, when we actually have it enacted as a rule, we're not going to be just having the Federal Reserve draw up money randomly. It's going to be taken from our system. It's going to be part of our active breathing system. So it'll get recirculated. It's not like it's going to disappear into nowhere. It's going to be a much better system of recirculation than the one we have right now because it'll increase the flow. Right now, People on the bottom are like stopped from being able to power up our economy. Well, actually, I would say that the people on the bottom currently are the fuel for the economy in right. And one of the ways is uh, if we 
put them on welfare and we di- uh, put them on disability in a sense, we're um, disabling people by economically, right? And then we uh, we take these people and we put we we allow industries to make money off of them. So if I'm sick, right, and I go to the hospital, I don't get that money, but my need fuels the economy, right? It fuels the the medical system. So when I show up to the hospital and they get paid through the you know Medicaid or something like that, um, the money is just bypassing me and going straight to the medical industry. Same thing with uh, practically every other industry. What we're doing now is we're making people helpless to affect change in their own lives and to do, you know, have any sort of control over their lives. But meanwhile, all of these needs still need to be met, right? And so what we do is we say, we don't trust the individual, but based on the individual's need, right? Food stamps go straight to a corporation, right? They don't, they bypass me only, and and, and they, they only help me in the sense that I do need, but I don't get to have as many choices because the cash didn't come to me. So I did not make as, could have chosen to buy my food at farm at a small farm but hey they don't take food stamps the corporation does though right i could have used my stamps to uh, i could have used my money in order to buy something like a stove so that i can cook better tomorrow um but you know i'm uh it, it bypasses that right it bypasses all of my judgment how the money should be spent it bypasses um anybody who's not prepared to take a food stamp and so this is what we're talking about is like we're just changing the way that human needs are met and respecting humans. And to address your fears specifically about the, uh, the market, the housing market too, and rents, you're failing to take into account that basic income empowers people that had no purchasing power previously. They were just paying the minimum amount of rent that they could pay. And they really had almost no choice in where they could live. If they have enough money to get together and buy a house they have an alternative to renting that gives them some power to enforce reasonable rental rates. So just that very basic market principle should really assuage some of your fears about UBI, Rose, if you're still listening. Yes, Rose is still here and she's making some other comments. I will will back up, Rose, uh, especially if you're living in a extremely urban situation like uh, New York. Um, getting a fixer-upper, as uh, Yang said on the uh, campaign trail, is kind of a slap in the face, Um, even with a a UBI, because the land prices alone, not just the cost of a house, even if it is decrepit, the land prices are so remarkably high that you'd have to save for many years of a UBI between many people to really, like, actually put down enough to, uh, like, I mean, aside from, like, a first-time homeowner's loan where you can get it down to 10%, um, then you would only have to save, like, a year or so between a couple people. But most uh, mortgages require a fourth of the value down, and that's a lot of money. Okay. Um, I think we've uh, talked a little bit about uh, this issue. Do we want to move on to, do we want to take on the immigration? Uh, the question here is, I, uh, um, okay, go ahead. I actually want to give uh, Sheridan an opportunity to talk about his congressional run that he wants to start up here because we are down to like our last 15 minutes and he hasn't oh, okay. gotten a chance to. Well, I thought Sheridan was going to do this next Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you could, I'd like to try and uh, remain a regular speaker, um, even with my congressional run going. 
So I'll talk about it more specifically next weekend. Uh, but if anyone who's listening wants to uh, help support a basic income candidate coming from New Mexico, replacing a very establishment candidate, uh, go to lunge2022.com and swing me five bucks. All right. That sounds good. Um, okay. So do we want to uh, address the immigration issue whatsoever? Uh, here's a, here's the original comment. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it the goal of Biden to increase immigration and the end goal to cap America at 1 billion 2100? He wants to increase immigration 1000% at what? least. What does this have to do with anything we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's why I said that was a lot to unpack when I first heard that. Why, why ask us this? <laughs> I'll take I'll take my uh quib bite at it because it's the same quib bite i have at uh the overpopulation concern um we need people we just functionally need a ton more people like to do the advanced technical industries that we're about to break into especially space exploration we are going to lose millions of people doing these industries because they are so extreme and so dangerous and we are going to need them as in people are going to die well getting into space yeah i do believe so especially established space industry i mean it looks dark sheridan (laughs) to be this dark but there are some real uh fundamentals of distance authority and capitalism that we've seen historically and space is so much more difficult and so much more barren. We are going to have to understand there's going to be these edge cases. And it's going to be at a scale. These edge cases are going to be major. Not to mention the medical um, needs of people who have been spending long periods of time in space. Yeah, that's, that's honestly going to be the largest chunk because we're going to have to solve cancer, essentially. By, the, by 2050, I imagine, if we want to seriously expand our space industry because going beyond earth's magnetic sheet shell is radically dangerous radically dangerous more dangerous than uh even standing near hiroshima when the bomb went off i will be right back i'm gonna help uh my husband with a little task here so how is space exactly going to be monetized if we're gonna if we're gonna go there (laughs) I mean, how's anything monetized with transactions, individual value, free market wants? What is the value that's out there in space that the free market wants right now? Um, space mining. Is I was going to say pretty much infinite value. Like if you want to do anything that's at a truly massive scale, space is going to make it cheaper. Like anything that we want to do. If, if, if Musk really wants to expand a space internet, uh, he probably wants to have far more satellites than he even has planned to ensure continuity. And that's going to take a ton of material. I think this actually might be a good question for Paul because um, aren't there some rare earth metals and lots of things that you know we might expect to be able to mine on other planets where? <laughs> but but we, we are limited here on Earth. Only a certain amount really expect yeah. China to provide us with. Or yeah, I mean, one thing it. I've yeah, one thing I've already heard is uh, mining gold in space. So uh, cool. yeah, space mining is very much a future possibility, probably inevitability. There's probably more useful things other than gold. Could probably need. To- 
Oh yeah, there's there's uh, I shared a little while ago with the uh, regular podcast group the ten pentillion dollar asteroid, and it's mm-hmm. just basically iron and nickel, but it's still so remarkably valuable because of how much iron and nickel it has. So if you if we manage to even collect or even scratch an asteroid, it's instantly profitable. We just have to have to get the technology within a uh, budgeting range. So um, anyway, we have uh, an interesting discussion about universal basic income of inflation, right? And this is uh, this is still a concern despite our answers here. So I sent the article by um, from medium.com by Scott Santens. And um, I think this is uh, something that we still need to go over. I invited our, our friend here to join us on the podcast another day. So um, hopefully they will take me up on it. Uh, seems to be a, a topic that is giving people great concern. And also uh, people are really thinking hard about this now because, for example, this friend of ours is living in New York City or maybe New York State. I'm not sure. But New York City is, you know, considering this question hard right now with Andrew Yang, mm. correct? Yeah. So I think we need to go over this more uh, more in depth. Uh, we need to schedule a time where we just talk about, you know, this one question, which is on everyone's mind. That's a great idea. Maybe we can invite some uh, some people, have a big round table. Uh, we want to invite people who have questions about it, right? Yeah. That's what you were saying before, is not just people that we we have already, you know, sort of talked it out and we've all come to an agreement here on the, we really need the UBI. We need people who have questions and who aren't sure about it or who are even opposed to it to come and, you know, represent the other. Um, I w- I'm not even going to say it's a point of view because I f- feel like it's a factual thing, right? To me, it's, it's factual. Every study has shown the same things over and over about UBI. Um, so I'm A lot of say- people don't pay attention to the studies, unfortunately. A lot of people just assume that um, the worst nature of humankind will prevail. And if we give people money, that they will just turn into hedonistic nothings. Well, that's, in fact, the the argument that I'm getting on Twitch, that, you know, it's because of human nature that all of these terrible things will happen. Um, I don't think we can, you know, necessarily, you know, debate what human nature is going to be. But we can talk about the studies and we can talk about, you know, what is factual. That, that what are the things we actually know about UBI and why we don't need more studies because we already have many. <laughs> so <laughs> stay tuned here. We'll, we're going to schedule that at some point and hopefully we can find more people, invite more people into the podcast who, you know, just have a different um, idea about what's going to happen. They, they're imagining a different future. Yeah. I wonder what kind of future you do imagine if you don't think UBI is the way. What can there be? I don't know. And this, yeah, is is the job market going to support everyone? Uh, is the job market going to provide a thriving life for everyone in the future? That doesn't seem realistic. What else has well, um, UBI? It's so actually far, impossible. If you watch, um, there's a show or um, on YouTube. There so far, is in a nutshell, and um, they have a thing called uh, "Why Automation Is Different This Time," and it is not going to be capable of supporting all of our people. We need a UBI because jobs are not going to be capable of supporting everyone that exists soon. So um, our friend in, says that she's in Brooklyn or and uh, that um, the idea is to leave capitalism and to enter communism. 
Well, the UBI just might be <laughs> uh, a step in that direction, my friend. I, I actually fight against this, uh, specifically the word communism, uh, especially when you talk about Marxist communism. There is no role of money, period, in a Marxist communist society. There's no class, there's no status, there's no hierarchy of skill. There's just one broad economic uh, cla- middle class. And a basic income really is tantamount against that. To have money in our society, a function of countable um, achievement, more or less, with, is a hierarchical, creates status, and creates classes. We're going to continue to have billionaires, millionaires, and even trillionaires as we roll this money out, and capitalism will be strengthened by it. This may be a redistribution of wealth, but you wouldn't call taxes a communistic action just because you don't like them. Well, it depends on if you're how ideological theological you are, but I get your point. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little... Well, yeah, taxes are the lightest possible regulation on the accumulation of capital. It's simply not a communistic thing. It, it is still capitalistic to take money for the government's projects. I would wonder if why... For nothing so, else to strengthen the money. It, it doesn't seem to track why one would claim to be anti-capitalist, but willfully preserve poverty. I don't understand why you would want to preserve poverty and say, yeah, some people should have absolutely no money, but also capitalism is bad and capitalism is the problem. That doesn't track for me. That's why I am fighting so hard as a social capitalist for basic income. It's not capitalist to have poverty around. It is neoliberal to have poverty around. It gives politicians and those who want a social cause, something easy to fight for. When the real solution is just accepting humanity. I like that. Let's end, let's end our podcast on that note, because there's going to be a lot more to talk about, especially if we bring in a new person. I hope that uh, our friend Rose Bank will accept our, um, will accept our uh, invitation to come to our podcast. Yeah, please come uh, on the show. Thank you, thank you, Paul, for coming. And I wanted to, uh, at this time give all of our closings and find out if there's someplace you would like people to, um, you know, reconnect with you after this podcast is over and maybe they can help you with your new project. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, the website is I need live or dot live either way you want to do it. Uh, and my contact information is on there. So feel free. I'm open to anything. And, um, Yeah, as far as UBI goes, my parents uh, escaped communism uh, from Russia. Uh, So communism is just, you know, everyone's equal. And, of course, uh, they escaped uh, for religious persecution. Um, But, you know, with UBI, there's not everyone that's equal. Uh, You could still make as much money as you want to uh, make. You could, uh, you know, start your own business. So there's nothing like that in communism, that's for sure. Indeed, yeah. The uh, UBI really would just provide more equity rather than equality to every person. Okay, who's next? (laughs) Do you want to go ahead, Mia? Okay, my name is Mia Dunford. I am at Mia Songbird on Twitter and on Frey.World. I do Humanity Hangs on Tuesdays and Fridays at 6 and 8, respectively, Eastern Times. 
And I work with um, Boyce from Mindful Skeptics on the Trickle Ups The Low, which is a news program. We are starting to release videos now, though there's only a few of them at the moment. Uh, and, you know, a multitude of other projects. I plan to be doing some phone banking here soon, too, of course. So, uh, yeah, talk to me. I have a Patreon, too. It's on my Twitter page. If anybody ever feels like giving me money, I could use it. Other than that, have a great night, guys. Thank you, Mia. Uh, yeah, I know it's really Good hard luck. for you to ask, Mia, but uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, the need is greater than um, our pride, and yeah. we just have to do it. I know. I hate... <laughs> I, I haven't it's ever not, mentioned my Patreon the, the past few times. I know it's the system, yeah. but it's... It's hard. And no, I, know I know it's hard. So it sucks. It's hurting it sucks. right now. I hate when I have had to and do it. And think about the idea that if somebody gave me money, it might be taken away from somebody else who actually, who, you know, who not actually need a needs, little it, more. needs it. Yep. Yeah, more. Yep. We so all it, struggle with that. it's hurtful and hard. We all struggle with that when we receive uh, donations when we need it, you know? But I mean, it's good that we share that we're open, that we feel that way. So we're no, we know that that is how it feels. And it's something we can think about as a group instead of alone. Anyway, who's so uh, they're not having to do that with the UBI? Um, yeah, until then. On to, how about you go, Shale? Since you're a am I the last everyone else gone? Well, Sheridan, I think is Sheridan. Have yeah. you already? Yeah, I, I still need to uh, go. If you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can check out my official campaign Twitter at Lund2022. You can find me online, Lund2022.com. If you want to swing me some money, there's a donation link on that site. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a wonderful conversation with all of you and Paul. I'm glad you're uh, creating this back-end network to start linking up people who have and need food. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, my, name is, my name is Faye Koo, and I was uh, your um, uh, Twitch chat um, speaker today. <laughs> um, like to do that, fulfill that role more often for people who are podcasting here. Um, you can find me at Palestine Math on Twitter. Hope you will follow me, and then we can have more conversations there. And or you can find me on Facebook if you prefer that. I'm just myself, Feku. All right, go ahead, Shale. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting, everyone. Thank you for this lively engagement. It's wonderful to have an audience that is engaged and that is talking back to us. I love it. I love you. I love your attention. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time, your, your thoughts. I know. I respect that your time is valuable, so thank you. Um, you know, just to put a bullet on it, in case you're still locked into like a left-right paradigm and you think that UBI is right or left, you know, uh, Sheridan is a, is a social capitalist. I am a social socialist. There are arguments from any many, many perspectives for UBI, and it really short-circuits the false dichotomy of red team, blue team, left-right, Republican, Democrat. It really is about... The populist versus the duopoly. So uh, thank you again for tuning in. My name is Shale. My Twitter is S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y. Shale Riley. That's my name. That's where you can get me on Twitter. So we'll be back tomorrow with more basic income advocacy. <laughs>